0: Goodbye, Tin Man. Oh, don't cry. You'll rust so dreadfully. Here, here's your oil can.
1: Goodbye. Now I know I've got the heart, because it's breaking.
0: Goodbye, Lion. You know, I know it isn't right, but... I'm going to miss the way you used to holler for help before you found your courage. I
1: would never have found it if it hadn't been for you.
0: I think I'll miss you most of all.
2: Hi, and welcome to All This and the Oscars to AwardsDaily.com's podcast on the Oscars, which we hope will become a weekly thing. My name is Sasha Stone. I'm the founder and main content provider of AwardsDaily.com, and we have a few announcements to make right at the top, Um, but uh, the regulars for this podcast are going to be editors Ryan Adams and Clarence Moy. Hi, guys. Hi, Say, how, how you doing? doing? Hello. And we have our special guest, the one and only, the beloved Jazz Tangay, who we have announced this week is going to be moving to very much going places um, as Variety's artisans editor. And she has agreed to do one last podcast with us, but we're hoping that she'll come back for more. Hi, Jazz.
3: Hi, <laughs> oh my
2: God!
1: No, oh, it's it's the saddest podcast. It's the it's the sadcast. There's no crying in Oscar <laughs> podcast. There's, There's no, no crying cry- in Oscar podcast.
2: <laughs> There's no crying. There's no crying. We're not prepared for this, though. I just have to say, we're not prepared for this goodbye. I mean, I I want to say up front that it. I, if anybody's wondering, this was a really good thing. Jazz was working a day job and doing award stuff and that's just not acceptable. She should be doing it full time and and in order to support her family and herself a full-time awards job is is totally what she's entitled to and she got that with variety and more she's in a place now where she can grow and, and be promoted and unfortunately we're losing you know <laughs> we're losing our 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 the rose of our garden you know the really because
1: wonderful... no one had any idea that you weren't full-time when you were at, at awards daily because right. you, you just worked non-stop i mean 20 hours a day it seemed like that you i don't know how you did everything I don't you did either. It
3: was my, it was what I loved the most. The day job was literally the day job and the awards stuff. And I loved doing it. I really did. Um, And it was a great escape and it's a passion. And I think, you know, when you're passionate about something, you're going to give it a hundred percent and, you know,
1: you mm-hmm. absolutely did, and I just can't even believe it's been five years. It's, it's a time just flown by, no, hasn't it? Five I, years. It was
3: crazy. I remember I pulled up my first. I think one of the first pieces was with like um, Rob Marshall, and that intro. The I think the title was like interview. No, interview Emily Blunt. I was like, <laughs> really? That was the title <laughs> you wrote? Like what? What, what were you smoking? <laughs> like, <laughs>
2: I um I'll tell you something that just defines jazz to me is that we went to a screening first of all I've never met anyone who is as sharp. I mean, the scary thing is, is I came to depend on you Jazz, so much to, to hold certain things together that I just couldn't from that, you know, add stuff to writing people back. And you knew that about me, you knew that I was, a, you know, off on another planet. And you would always say, should we do this? Should we do that? Do you want to say? And that was so great. And so invaluable. I feel like I'm, I feel happy that you're that you're getting, you know, that you're moving up and that you're getting promoted and that. It's a nice thing, I think, that that to see that to see you appreciate it. But this defines you to me is that we went to see um, we went to see Seberg oh, together, and you know, Chris, oh. <laughs> Kristen Stewart was supposed to be there and she wasn't. She she totally bagged on her own screening. So afterwards, they're like, "Oh, sorry, Kristen Stewart's not coming after all, but thanks for stopping by." <laughs> But Jazz who knows everybody's name from all the people that we happen to see that walk in the room, they're like, Hey Jazz, and she knows everybody, of course. I in my sad little bubble (laughs) know nobody. And as we're walking out, um, and we're saying goodbye to the publicist, Jazz gives each of them a hug, goodbye. And I just thought, wow, that is human connection. That's you, Jazz. That's like you connect with people in a way that Mm -hmm. so many others don't. You just really do. You're so warm hearted, and you're so generous, and you're so—I mean—but you're also, you know, you have a really nasty sense of humor and a dark side. So don't (laughs) don't let it all go to your head. Yes, she does. (laughs) Anybody
3: anybody who hates me is sitting there listening to this. No, they're going to stop and be like, I'm not listening
2: to this jazz wank list. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but I don't think there are many people out there who hate you. Like, it's pretty... <laughs> I mean, as opposed to me, there are a million people, mm-hmm. maybe. Right. but, um, but anyway, I, uh, I know Ryan is not prepared for this. <laughs> sorry,
1: Ryan. I'm so blue. I just can't even, I, I mean, know, I'm, I'm so just, sorry. I mean, I just can't even sit up straight. <laughs> <laughs> just slouching for the past two weeks.
2: <laughs> it's oh, so gosh. bad. I'm so sorry about that. I really do feel <laughs> just, <laughs> terrible.
1: I just want to hug you, Ryan. Sorry, and I want to hug person. you the
3: way I hug the publicists. <laughs>
1: Well, you and I have just been in constant contact for five years, right? And you don't know how many times because it would be boring if I told you how many times you you lifted me up out of my doldrums. But so many, yeah. just time after time, or day after day, you know. So now, now what?
3: <laughs> no, she's <laughs> still there, right? I'm going to email
2: you every day and be like, "Hey, how's <laughs> Taji? Like, what's going right. on?" She's, um, Jazz is the person who sent Ryan a, this is a, a box of tea when he was sick you know what i mean like she's that kind of person
1: box Let's, of tea and the little uh, doggy cookies
2: and the, the doggy cookies and just to say like i mean she brought me fucking cbd lotion from my back at a, the springsteen thing when my back went out she's like <laughs> i brought you some cbd lotion i was like wow that's so nice thank you <laughs>
1: And it's special tea too. It wasn't just like any tea. Oh my God, like special oh tea. My it's Taylor's God. tea from London. Seriously, I, and, I and, she
2: sent me some of that, and I've been parsing it out slowly. <laughs> Clarence I, is going to be like, she didn't send me anything. What a <laughs> like
4: cunt. But... No, 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 no. She's she's been an excellent therapist to me over the past couple of years. So mm. but, likewise,
3: mm. likewise. I, no, I, I love you guys, and honestly, Sasha, like you know, I wouldn't be here or where i'm going without you and ryan and you know i mean honestly look at that first interview and i'm like what was i writing and i oh but you know every day reading reading i I was just
1: gonna say we knew though i mean sasha and i knew you saw the first emails the first emails from the very first day that you and i talked to each other that we met and the first time that sasha sent me an email with your name and and links and said how about this how about her and we knew instantly, Jazz. Mm-hmm. We just knew. We felt it. We knew that you're going to fit in just perfectly. Man. Yeah. Just, it just, it was so obvious. It was just instinct, and you, and you did.
2: And and the thing but, that happened for me was that I felt like I felt like Jazz was moving too fast, and she was moving so fast that like. It was
1: stratosphere time. You know, like, yeah, put, being pushed out of the nest, but that's how you learn to fly, right?
2: That's how you learn to fly. And yeah. the other thing is, is I don't think it's true that without, I mean, yes, Ryan is a great teacher. He's taught me, Ryan, you have taught me so much about writing. I wouldn't have gotten that Fincher thing. Oops, my thing just stopped. Oh, wait. Um, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't know what I know about writing if it hadn't been for you in twenty. 2006 when you first came on the site you're a daily teacher and i know you've taught jazz a lot about writing so yes i think that her interaction with you has been essential to where you're going jazz well
1: Um, you have both said that in the Past week or so, and I just wanted to say, and I haven't said, I haven't replied to those emails because I just can't even talk. I mean, I can't even talk about this. But I mean, I can. If I I write stuff, but it sounds so maudlin and just so smushy that I just can't even send the emails because I just don't sound right. But I just wanted to let you know that I may. I hope that I. I mean, it's gratifying to think that I have taught you too. But I mean, you two have taught me so many things too. You've taught me how to be a better editor and you've taught me how to be a better writer too. You've taught me how to how to be more relaxed and more conversational in the way that I write and in, in, in ways I never was before. And you've taught me things about being a person that are just, I can't even describe. I didn't even want to say out loud because it's just it's too embarrassing. Mm. <laughs> so that I needed to be taught how to be, how to act really. And you two taught me that. You just yeah. so much you've taught me, both of you. Wow. But I've become a better
3: writer and, you know, the, the stuff that I've learned from both of you and Sasha, you know, like it's, it, you can't put a price on that. So, you know, I'm forever grateful. Well, I, I'm... I will always remember that. Like I'm, you know, I'm not one of those people that's like, forget where they came from.
2: Oh, yeah, well, that's so great. Strange. And you are oh. so are you're Mary Poppins, man. I mean, you're just mm-hmm. like, <laughs> it's it, I I feel so bad because I know that it's 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 a sad day for Awards Daily to lose you big time. You know, it's it's sad for our readers. It's sad for Ryan. It's sad for anybody who's ever interacted with you. It's, just, it's sad for the publicists in the studios are like, oh, great. Now I have to like deal with no show stone is <laughs> never going to answer my emails. But <laughs> um it's you know it's just it, been a pleasure my dear that's all i want to say
3: but i also want to you know mention the tv team like clarence you know uh, megan joey jalal david those guys are amazing too like you know we got through emmy season and you know it's a great team and yes i love i love everybody dearly and yeah it's it's like very sad it's like this it's is, this is my first thing. Like, when i moved when i moved to la it was like this is the first that like you know i said i remember emailing you sasha be like hi so i'm kind of moving to la now i can do like
2: whatever you want it's so <laughs> fantastic but i think that one thing that this has really done for me is that it's just i've decided that i think that there shouldn't be we shouldn't be separate i think that the film and all the tv writers should be film writers now and we should all be film writers and we should contribute to the site um as film and tv like i can do tv and the tv writers can do film and we can figure that out in terms of you know how it's all going to work but um i sort of i love that it's yeah worth,
1: i've heard of it but it's great i love <laughs> that idea i know so
2: i just Actually, sort of decided yeah. it but i think yeah. it works really well <laughs> because you know this is Breaking, a, news. <laughs> Breaking news. Breaking news. I mean, as you know, as we move forward, I mean, Clarence and I both have personality issues, but I think that uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> what I mean by that is that you know, and all of us actually do. Is that we, you know, really
1: we, don't leave me out of that? No, nah, I'm if not need, leaving you oh my, out.
2: I know. Oh what God. I mean is that. I mean, I
1: have the, I have the strangest personality issues
2: <laughs> We all have a tendency to, you know, we have our highs we and our lows. Something. <laughs>
1: yes <laughs> definitely so, bipolar
2: bipolar
3: <laughs> we have our highs and our
2: lows and our lows are very low
3: i'll still email you daily and tweet you oh
2: Jazz!
1: no <laughs> don't go
2: <laughs>
3: this is
1: starting yeah, tell to us tell, tell us Jazz, about your your job uh, title and job description what does that involve artisan um i mean so
3: the art i'll be the artisans editor for uh-huh. variety um and it, it's really, my whole, my role will really be to shine a spotlight on not the t- talent, the, you know, the stars that everybody mm-hmm. loves and wants to talk to. It's more like the visual effects people, the composers, the DPs, the, you know, um, the editors, the sound mixers, the costume designers, all those people the actually, make what goes into the frame into the movie, um, and so really shining a spotlight on those guys. And those are the guys that I love speaking to because, without them, we wouldn't really have much of a movie. Um, so yeah, it's it's shining and like focusing on them during award season. Um, so I'm really excited about it. As sad as I am to leave you guys behind um because i've been brainstorming staying awake at night when i can't sleep because you know not only did i just move house literally today and i Mm -hmm. start on monday at variety um and i've got like a million interviews to post on awards daily by midnight sunday (laughs) oh Um, my god God. (laughs) it's all good but yeah i've been brainstorming ideas of like you know you know, like having production designers and doing getting all these crazy ideas. So yes,
1: it was great for us, and it's a it's a it's a it's an, an amazing archive that that we have built up of of your interviews, Jazz. That will that that that's part of the the site forever. That are evergreen. That people will always, if they in the future have any uh, are doing research about a movie, they're going to um, find your articles and interviews on the site. And yeah. it's a great uh, reservoir. It's a great treasure that you've left behind. Just, I mean, so many. I mean, hundreds, maybe thousands of interviews you've done, right? And, yeah. and and you and I used to just and that's what we used to talk about every day because I'm always so fascinated to read what you would be yeah. able to to get out of these people when you would talk to them. You have a way a rapport with with um, with the art with the artists with the filmmakers that makes, has them open up in ways that mm-hmm. I just don't see on, a, on other sites. It's so, it's a rare talent. I know that you. we were talking once a long time ago about when you um, first moved away from home, You had to get rid of a lot of things. You had a lot of interview magazines that you had saved. You yeah, have such an yeah. interview magazine style of, of writing. It's really, I guess when, when you were growing up reading those, it really ha- gave you put you in tune with that voice and you are so good at it another thing i really love that you did the the in focus pieces that you did for the site where you basically just let the artisans uh, speak for themselves the entire narrative you know the the whole piece is just them talking and telling about a certain specific scene or a certain specific aspect of a film right i love those and you kind of created that you invented that as far as i know i don't see those anyplace else Mm.
3: Yeah, no, I just thought like, you know, they're gonna, I think, you know, once they'd been nominated, or we were down to that thing, I thought it'd be really great of like, okay, so how can you revisit this person? Like, what mm-hmm. can you do? And I thought that was a fun thing. But yeah, no, I remember, at, like, and I lost it in a house move. But I remember, I think I I used to read Variety all the time and The Hollywood Reporter. But one of the first premier magazines I got was I think back in 1990 when Cher and Winona Ryder were on the cover <laughs> of *Mermaids*, because Mermaid. I was like a die Cher fan, <laughs> right? And Lord. it was like, and I, I went into Tower Records, and my mom was like, "What are you buying?" She goes, "Like, you know, like it's my pocket money," and she goes, "That's r- I, it was it was like extortionate on import," and uh. she was like. That's what you want. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm getting. Oh, <laughs> so I felt. Amazing. I love I stories like that. Right. Yeah. so cute. <laughs> yeah. Money. Love it. <laughs> so that's what I was reading. And like my, when I was like, what, 14 years old. I know. Yes, you I have never 40 talked 40 about
1: this. 40 40. 40. We've never talked about this before, but I sensed it. I knew that. I knew <laughs> that you must have, because it, you can just tell it's something that you've, that you've read and learned from all your life. And that's another thing I love about working with you as an editor
2: Ryan
1: Sorry. No, no, it's okay.
2: Ryan. Okay, <laughs> let's move on. Let's, let's talk about marriage story. How about we, we yeah, that's a real buzzkill marriage story. I'm no, just kidding. <laughs> we can bring it right down to earth with that one. <laughs> no. I just I just change the subject totally. Let's no, talk about it's okay, dolomite. It's okay. Are we talking about or talking,
1: yeah, we won't talk about I'm going to have to watch I'm going to have to wake up every morning and watch dolomite for the <laughs> Every day Dolomite.
3: for the next six months, Dolomite. in order to put
1: myself in a good mood every morning, <laughs> in the same state of mind that I would get from waking up and finding your emails in my inbox. Yes. No, but I was I'll, going to I'll say is the way that uh, that I that we work together. as you you writing and me editing. Is I never had to tell you why I was doing anything. I would never had to ask you. how about do we do this or we do that? I would just make, I would just do something. And if you didn't like it, you would change it back. And if you did like it, not only would you leave it, but you would, you would, you would do it in the next piece that you did. If you liked a change or a a new way of doing things, you would incorporate it into what you, into what you normally do. And it was just, it was so gratifying to, to to do that with you and to have that kind of collaboration. It wasn't that's what it felt like, like we were collaborating, although it was always 99 percent of all your words. I mean, the, just the, you know, just very few, little did I adjust or patch or whatever, you know. But mm. the things that it has been just such a pleasure to see the, the way that you've, as Sasha said, to watch you have grown over the over the past five years. Yeah. It's amazing. I, Love I had it.
3: the best teachers. The best teachers. And, You're just a you know, fast you had
1: much, learner, man. had so much going for you to, to begin with. I mean, that's not just a matter. You can have teachers, but if you don't have the raw talent, then it doesn't matter what kind of teachers you've got. Yeah. And you had the talent.
2: And the curiosity and the drive and all the stuff that, that goes into being just, you know, someone who who um, who sort of brightens the world. You know what I mean? Like you just bright. There's a there's – a, I have this Photoshop action called Boost, And when you run that Photoshop action on a photo, it just brightens everything up, sharpens everything. That's what you're like, Jazz. You're like a Photoshop action, like a boost. Like you just (laughs) heighten and emphasize and just make everything look better and be brighter. And (sighs)
3: Well, thank God for Twitter, 2014, when we met and changed our lives forever. And the same, I'm actually, wait, yeah, I also met Jen on Twitter. So there you go. Two best oh, yeah. things that came that's,
2: out of back that's, in the day. Wow. <laughs> that's quite the sordid tale. <laughs> <laughs> but um, oh, we should uh, we should we should try to do something right. Other than <laughs> so let me let me try to change the subject. Um, uh, it's just really hard. I'll slap myself uh, there. <laughs> <laughs> no. um okay so should we try to talk about what snap out of it <laughs> snap out of it <laughs> speaking of <Cher. laughs> jazz loves share in case you didn't know that um all right so jazz you're still going to be around man we're still going to be talking every day i hope and uh and-
3: yeah of course I'll see you at the next screening <laughs>
2: variety <laughs> has very strict rules about ex- as chris told me exclusivity they're very weird about it apparently like and penske media like they they really are really kind of you know territorial and cock blocky about like anything that that they share is always like gold derby refers to variety and IndieWire and deadline but they won't go outside the penske circle so they're going to be, you know, pretty strict about that. But um, but we're hoping we can still have permission to have jazz on every once in a while as a guest. I don't see why not. Matt.
1: You can come on as a mystery guest. We don't have to say your name because, I mean, who's going to recognize <laughs> that voice, right? Oh, yeah. It and, and, could and, be and anybody. Can even be if anybody we can, voice. The voice.
2: we might just do like a fun phone conversation sometime just anyway, you know, that, that yeah, isn't yeah, a podcast, you know. Yeah, let's do that. You know? Just like a, a like a weekend night fun chat, just to catch up and listen to my glass clinking. Isn't this horrible? I'm totally like one step away from like Marlena Dietrich and Touch of Evil. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just really about right about to hit the skids here. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So, does anybody want have any preference? Of, uh, Clarence, you saw The Irishman. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? What'd you think?
4: I did see the Irishman today um, in a uh, screening here in Raleigh. Um, My sort of my first one that's sort of a press screening. It was kind of fun, Um, although there was literally no security around it. So you could just literally be a person walking off the street (laughs) uh, because I shouldn't say that out loud. But um, you still have to know where it is. Netflix was really great about getting about getting me in. Um, I was telling Jazz before we recorded I had read nothing about this other than the tweets that say, you know, what an amazing film it is. I'd seen the Metacritic score, the Rotten Tomatoes score. Mm -hmm. I was not prepared for how different of a Martin Scorsese film it is. It doesn't have that, what I like to call that Coke aesthetic, where it's like, you know, in Goodfellas, so many of his sequences are like live wire sequences where the way they're edited and the music and the cinematography and the Mm -hmm. camera swoops in and, and you feel high watching it. This was very... I'll say slow, but I don't mean slow in terms in ne- negative terms. It's very meditative. Mm-hmm. It's 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 melancholy. It is. Um, it reminded me of um, what I I had, had assumed at the time was Clint Eastwood's last movie, and and God forbid we were cursed with more after that. But um, <laughs> un- Unforgiven. <laughs> um <laughs> you know in in terms of the way that it looks at the genre of a gangster film and it and it sort of it, it's almost like he's saying goodbye to it it kind of made me wonder by the end of the film you know where you know where is your head at martin scorsese like well
1: mm. are you
4: not doing gangster films anymore are you saying goodbye and it, it just it's uh i i need to see it again because the first hour i just was it was so different to me and i don't know if sasha or jazz you guys had the same reactions. Um, but it, it just, it felt like a, a different piece of entertainment, or a piece of cinema, um, as one of my friends keeps picking on Martin Scorsese about, and I'm so sick of that story. I don't even want to give it any airtime on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, uh, it, it's a brilliant film. It is, it is a, an amazingly crafted film. I need to see it again because I feel like I missed so much detail because I was just, I was reacting to the craft Um, So much. And uh, I love the performances. Um, Al Pacino and Joe Pesci are fantastic. Um, So I'm going to stop talking now and let you guys No, you have such um, a good
2: podcast voice, Clarence. I just think it's mm -hmm. fantastic. I wish I had mine so nasally, but I love how yours is so very deep very
1: nice I really do i mean what is what kind of mic are you using i want I know, to ask he you sounds that really I mean, good. If we, if we all get the same mic maybe we can sound that good <laughs> uh, <laughs> i have
4: to credit i have to credit uh old uh friend or not he's not old but a friend of this podcast craig kennedy for um oh. telling me to get a yeti blue mic mm-hmm. and uh this is a couple of years old but it it has served me well through my own podcast
2: it so. sounds really good um I would just add to that, and Ryan hasn't seen The Irishman yet. I have not. Um, but no. the thing is about it is that um, what I think is going on with it is that I've written this stuff on the site, so Ryan, you've already seen it, so seen me write mm. about this, so it's not really a spoiler. But oh, no, I'm,
1: not, I'm not worried about that. <clears throat> Go ahead, whatever you need um, to
2: say. I feel like he is a Catholic is mm-hmm. is struggling with the kind of movies that he's known for. Um, right. Uh, Raging Bull and and Goodfellas, I guess primarily, but but also maybe Taxi Driver, um, maybe King of Comedy. Um, he obviously dwells in the dark side often and with monstrous characters, and he doesn't moralize them necessarily. He doesn't um, he doesn't really talk. He doesn't really uh, lecture about good, and he doesn't make films like, for instance, uh, uh, Clint Eastwood or. Kevin Costner would make, um, where I don't know why I just pulled out Kevin Costner, but (laughs) the filmmaker Kevin Costner.
0: But uh, the postman.
2: The the, the idea that like there is a very (laughs) distinct good and evil, and you don't make a mistake when you make a film. Well, that's why, you know, then you get then you get Joker. You get Todd Phillips' film, which is really, you know, a child of the Scorsese genre of this idea of the ambition. It's not just them. It's many filmmakers, um, many of the best and great from, you know, Kubrick to Fincher, you know, these ambiguous characters where, you know, you're not really talking so much about good and evil. And so I feel like with Irishman, he's really kind of reconciling that he's really sort Mm -hmm. of reconciling his good Catholic boy who has a strong knowledge of good and evil with the kind of filmmaking past he's had and in so doing he's you know he's telling the story of this this hitman this good fellow this or you know this wise guy who you know killed Jimmy Hoffa or supposedly killed Jimmy Hoffa I guess nobody really knows who killed Jimmy Hoffa but but they're making the case that he's the guy who did it and so I feel like he's you know uh, uh Robert De Niro is coming to terms with that in the movie and that's Scorsese coming to terms with his own career—that's sort of how I see it. It could be reading too much into it, but
1: no, I don't think so—not at all. And it's kind of what you were saying too, Clarence, right? I mean, and that's that's what we thought that that Eastwood might have been doing with Unforgiven. But then, if he just quit, then that would have been great. If he just quit yeah. after Unforgiven, I mean, that would have <laughs> been wonderful. But instead, he just kept making more of them. He went back to making some of the really rough, um, um, violent, and um, and and. And morally ambiguous movies, Mm -hmm. you know, that that uh, that he pretend that he that we thought he might have been atoning for. Another director who did that is uh, Paul Schrader a little bit, don't you think? And he's done. He's also has deeply religious um, feelings and background. And and he may look back on the earlier uh, successful films of his career like Taxi Driver. And I think that 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 comes out in his later in movies in his uh, late career. Where he's sort of trying to atone for those or to explain or 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 look at them from from inside instead of outside from inside himself. I mean,
2: yeah,
4: yeah, it's the hallmark of a great director to to step back and and be meditative about the films that he's made uh, over his career. and And I really love that idea that he's sort of wrestling with that. And that explains the last sort of fifteen or twenty minutes of the film where, um, and this may be a minor spoiler, but a, well, I'll just say a character meets with a priest several different times and, and, and kind of gives that confession in a couple different ways. So that, you know, it's, it's almost like Martin Scorsese becomes that character or that character becomes a, a embodiment of Martin Scorsese at that point.
2: Yeah, I mm-hmm. think so. I think that's a really good way of putting it. Um, I, uh, I only saw it one time I want to see it again I almost went to the premiere but um, but I didn't end up getting there to see it. Um, I am wondering how it's all going to fit in terms of this year I know a lot of the Oscar pundits at gold derby have it at number one to win. Um, I don't know that it's got the stuff to win best picture.
4: I don't think so either. I don't think it's a number one film. I don't think it's a passion vote. I don't, this, the Academy that gave Green Book the Oscar last mm-hmm. year is not going to give Best Picture to the Irishman this year. Not
2: there's, I mean, as as I tried to write today or tried to explain, it's not that I don't think it deserves it. I, I just think that there's a thing that happens with the preferential ballot. And and it. I think it would even struggle a little bit on a, a weighted ballot. I hope Netflix doesn't get mad about this conversation. But I think the reason is that I think that you you contemplate the Irishman, you walk away from it, you contemplate it, you say, Wow, okay, that was a really good movie. But this idea of the way a film wins best picture is that you vote for something. You have it gives you this urgency. You know, it's an urgency to vote for something, whether that urgency is, I just loved this movie so much. Or it's, I want to do something for this movie, Spotlight. I want to, you know, you know, you love it so much, you're fighting for it. It has to be a movie that people are going to fight for to get best picture on a preferential ballot. It's really hard to do if it's just um, a movie that people think is really, really good. Like, I don't, I mean, I I think it'll get nominated. I think that's great for Netflix, but I think, I mean, I genuinely think marriage story probably has a better shot in terms of winning best picture. Um, and even that I think is a tough one because you also have to factor in, you also have to factor in how voters feel about Netflix overall. You know, like I don't Mm. know if they're ready yet to say, you know, all is forgiven. And we're not mad about Netflix and we're going to give you best picture and we're going to totally change the game. I'm not 100% sure they're ready for that.
4: I think they're far more ready to give a foreign film best picture than they are Netflix.
2: I I think that's a pretty smart. And you has everybody seen Parasite?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh Twice. Ryan, did Uh, you not like Uh Parasite? Of course, I liked it. Oh, because I never talked about it. Okay. Because I, yeah, oh, yeah, I never emailed you about it. But oh, of course, I've seen it three times now. Oh, I've God. I've seen it three God, times. Yeah, I loved Great. it. Okay. Yeah, of course. Yeah.
2: And Clarence, you've seen it?
4: Yes, I've seen it once. I, I, and I can't wait to revisit it, but I have so many other things to, to shove in for all these interviews that are. Right being channeled at me from Jazz's is
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jazz is like a
2: wave. It's a tsunami. Yeah. Um, I'm, the I'm thing fooled. is is I'm the um, girl I'm always the girl who says a foreign film can't win best picture. And because they have their own category, but Parasite is actually challenging that view. And and I think that's because at every film festival I've gone to, the favorite is always Parasite. And that's where the artist was coming out of and I know it's true about Roma, but <laughs> but, um, (laughs) I don't think that it's the same. I don't think you get, (laughs) you get the same hit off of Roma that you get off of parasite. I think that when you finish parasite, you're like, wow, you know, that was something. And I feel like if any movie's going to now listen in 2000, my first year covering the Oscar race, I vote. I thought Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was going to win. And when that didn't win Best Picture, I thought, okay, if Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon can't do it, then no film can do it. But I feel like Parasite might. I'm just going to say that because I think it's almost – I really feel like it has – it's actor-driven – it is exceptional. And it's, you know, it's the movie that everybody comes out of film festivals saying, I didn't see anything, but, but why didn't it win the audience award at, at Toronto? No.
3: Can I ask then about Jojo rabbit or the two popes, then, which would
2: Okay, so I got to tell you something about the two popes. Jojo Rabbit is the other one. And, and it's like two people have given me a prediction that are going to turn out to be true that I fought. And that's Tom Riss mm. for Jojo Rabbit and Jazz for Joaquin Phoenix. Like, curse <laughs> both of you to hell <laughs> for that. i like but... piece today. <laughs> But I think they might both turn out to be right. God, my ego is like no, please no. But um, but I think I I think that Jojo Rabbit has. We can talk about that next. But but to me, those are the two strongest contenders right now for to win is Parasite and Jojo Rabbit. I haven't seen 1917. I hear it has a really. Inc- I mean, that's obviously sounds incredible. That could be the one that comes in at the last minute and wins everything. But. Jojo Rabbit, I think it it you walk out of that and you feel like, oh, okay, I can do this, I can do life, you know, this is incredible.
1: Uh, somebody mentioned, I mean, someone said a minute ago, why, oh, you said Sasha, why didn't it win the audience award? I would, I would have a theory that maybe it's because the, the 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 audience in Toronto hasn't changed over the years much from the way that they were maybe ten or fifteen years ago. Not only has time have times changed since Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And the world has changed and America has changed. But the Academy itself has changed and the membership, the mem- makeup of the membership has changed. In, our, in just the past 10 years, we've seen the Academy uh, r- a roster grow from 6,000 members to 9,000. That's one out of three new <clears throat> members. Mm-hmm. And in order to add all of those new members, they went all over the world. They have so many new international members that they never used to have before. A much greater percentage of international filmmakers than they've ever had before. And so I think yeah. that may play a little bit of a part in in the tipping point. We don't know how close Crouching Tiger came to winning or how close Roma came to winning, but the more international filmmakers that you have who are voters, the better chance, I think, that they're going to vote for an international film. Mm. And that's why maybe Toronto's not there yet, but the Academy has changed the makeup of their, you know, slowly over the years, but they've done it steadily and surely. And, and, and it's a dramatic change. I mean, that's a lot of, a lot of new members. Just imagine if you added, you know, 30 more American States or something, and they were all, um, like um, blue States, what they would do to, to politics.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: So sure. I'm I'm thinking that that you're that Clarence you're right and that the, it, this may be another one of those years when we think if Parasite can't do it then no film ever will, but and that may be true but I think there's a there's a really good chance this year that it could yeah. happen. Yeah,
4: I mean it's the only thing that I have heard attending. I mean, I went to a small festival here, but just looking online and reading reviews, it's the only thing that everybody almost u- uniformly loves, with yes. the notable exception of, um, oh, what's his name, the 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 cantankerous critic, uh, Armand <laughs> White.
1: Yes, uh-huh. Armand yeah.
4: White. Yeah, I think he's like the only it? one that doesn't Aww. like it. <laughs> But everybody, and it's and it's not just everybody likes it. Everybody tells says you have to go see this movie. Like that, that, and it's it's the only thing I've felt this year that had passion across the board.
2: Mm -hmm. I agree, and I that defies my rules. You know, like I'm pretty serious about that foreign language, but I feel like with Parasite, there's something different happening, and I think that it's a combination of admiration for him, Bong Joon-ho, already which was there prior, because he's worked with so many important people. But I think that there's a message in the movie that resonates really strongly with with our world right now, our culture and our climate. I mean, I I haven't seen a movie that good in a very long time. Like, I just think it's so brilliant. And and I'm frustrated because I can't talk about it, because I don't want to spoil it for people, you know, and I wish that more people would see it so that I could talk about it. But because there's so much there but if you start talking about it then you then you wreck it for people because you don't want them to um hear anything because you know the second that you hear something from you know about it it wrecks it and so you know you want to be able to go in fresh um but from the i'll just say this spoiler alert just you know skip this if you haven't seen parasite for like five minutes but um, from the rainstorm that incredible rainstorm which is mm. like climate change to them you know living in their basement to the way the guy smells like poverty to the fact that the guy who kills the you know I, this is serious spoiler I know but mm. um, we've all seen it so when he kills mm. the um the, the man um, you know that the, the fa- he kills the father who who's like disgusted mm-hmm. with the way he smells he has remorse for it and he apologizes for it later when he's living in the basement. Whether that's real or fantasy, in the son's head, whether he's really actually living down there or not, we don't really know that for a fact. And could be. It's weird how this and Joker have so much in common in that way. Like there's a especially
1: in the, the very end, the last ten or fifteen minutes, that it pulls. It pulls the. Uh the veil of reality back and forth the curtain back and forth you don't really know yeah. just when you think you're, you're you're in reality it pulls back another layer and you say oh okay well maybe that's not yeah. and then you start to doubt everything then you start to doubt anything that you did you see from then until the until the final credits but you're you're right i didn't mean to sorry i didn't mean to interrupt no but,
2: please do yeah <laughs> i was um, provoking um, the <laughs> the the thing. I mean, there's for me. There's so much to talk about with it, and it it is so much about like it's it's about um, it's about allegiance to the state that you think is is treating you well, but isn't. That's the guy in the basement, you know, who's sort mm. of devoted to his, you know, he's set where he's like hitting the light for the guy to go up the stairs. Oh my mm. god. <laughs> like everything about it is just it breaks your heart you know but it also is so truthful about humanity and and the acting is so the, the thing i think it might pull it through is that the acting is so good i know that they're not name stars but and i know that we don't have name recognition and that most americans aren't going to be able to understand that um, voters aren't going to be able to like, but, but that's an actor driven movie and that's what mm-hmm. wins best picture. It's not just this director's vision. It's these actors, the The woman who plays mm-hmm. the mother, you know, the rich mother, she's so good. Um, all of them are good. The daughter is good. The brother is good. You know, the little kid is even good. Like they're just all really good actors. And I think that that counts for a lot in terms of whether or not it can win.
1: And what you said earlier about, you know, we, um, the more people see it, the more we can talk about it. People are seeing it. And that's making a difference, too. That's another thing that Roman didn't, would, would not ever have had going for, because we will never know the box office numbers that Roman might have made or not made. But we are seeing what Parasite is doing, and it's setting records. It's setting per-screen-average records, and it's opening across the country, which is what Crouching Tiger did. And the, yeah. It it is rare for a foreign-language fi- film. I'm... In the middle of nowhere i'm seeing advertisements for for parasite on local tv stations and in, in, the, in the south yeah. you know that's just that's so unusual
4: well it's it's the themes are so universal i mean it it is a it is a korean film but it does not feel mm-hmm. and it is set in korea clearly but it, mm-hmm. it 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 doesn't it feels international it feels so much broader than that like something like roma was so much about mexico it's so much it's it's so based in that world and and it it, i think some people really struggled to to react to uh, adapt to that or to to uh, relate to it um anybody can relate to parasite it it, it, yes it's set in a in a city across the other side of the world but it could be it could be in los angeles Mm
2: -hmm. yeah absolutely that's what i thought about it too i i mean it blew my mind, and I feel like I feel like on a preferential ballot, this is a potential winner because of that, because I think that it's going to sit really high on people's ballots. I can promise you this. This movie is going to be either one or two or three on everybody's ballot at the Oscars.
4: Yep. So mm-hmm.
2: that's what you're looking for. You're looking for a movie that nobody's going to downgrade because they hate it. So all the other movies, as much as I love them, Jojo Rabbit and... Uh, um, marriage story and the irishman well the irishman i don't think people are going to hate it but you have to look at in terms of a preferential ballot. you have to look at what's going to be a number one or a lower on the ballot and that those are the love it hate it movies but i don't feel like parasite is a love it hate it movie i don't think anybody hates it i think that it's always a like it love it you know and Mm -hmm. that pushes it high on the ballot and that's why it's a threat to win even and both that's categories. another thing
1: I, I hate to keep going back to just the thing about only talking thinking about how the voters and specifically as individuals but it's, it's since it's parasite is a phenomenon everybody feels like they've got to see it right. that was not the case with roma in fact right. a lot of people thought it, as roma is almost like a chore and and yeah. a lot of people started watching it and men probably didn't make it all the way through so not only was it not Number one, number two, number three on a ballot. A lot of people probably put it last because they didn't even see it, and so it's going to be it. You know, and but Parasite, on the other hand, every academy, every voter is going to see it. All the all the yeah. academy members are going to see it because it's a it's like I said, it's a phenomenon. And every if you want to be in the conversation, you've got to know what's going on. Right. You've got
2: to, I mean, there's hmm. always going to be there's always going to be a, a block between for movies that have subtitles. There's, mm-hmm. you know, as you know, like I know in my own private life, like it's hard for me to get people to watch Parasite because of that. But I also think that once they do, it's a movie that, def- that, that actually fits the definition of what I, def- you know, how I define best picture winners is that you can sit anybody down in front of it, anybody, mm-hmm. and they'll get it, if not love it they have to be able to get it if not love it and that wasn't the case with Roma. You couldn't sit anybody down in front of that movie. But Parasite, if they're willing to sit there and watch the subtitles and try to under- anybody will get that movie. They'll get it, you know?
1: Not only I mean but another thing, I don't want to say that I mean I love Roma. You know I did. I mean I I was I clung to it last year and I and I was really sad, sad that it didn't win, but I can understand how a lot of people would not find it entertaining but no one cannot be entertained by parasite not only i mean that makes it it makes you want to read the subtitles because the, the sense of humor and everything about it mm-hmm. is so fun to watch mm-hmm. right it's, it's very some,
2: accessible yeah
4: so i want to ask jazz a question so I, I read some stories about the production design and how they built that city in a, mm-hmm. in a tank um one thing that a best picture needs, and I think Ann Thompson says this, is it has to have, you have to build category b- or branch by branch. Yeah. Do you think it will have below the line support?
3: I think production design. Yes, definitely on production design. Where else could it ha- have it? Um, editing. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I think the way it's been edited was, was great. Um, the score, the score. I don't, think so at all but i definitely think production design and editing on the below the line side i think that's it right what about cinematography maybe so and cinematography oh my god yeah cinematography but maybe maybe but definitely i definitely see it getting a production design thing but then who's it up against it's got uh obviously irishman right yeah jojo Jojo Rabbit, two popes.
2: Maybe, oh, maybe right. Ad Astra, maybe 1917, which we haven't, Ford seen. Right, we haven't seen. Ford versus Ferrari. Right, Ford, that's, exactly. I just, Ford, I just moved into my production design predictions today because yeah. I thought, yeah. How can all they, all those cars? Yeah, the cars, man. And, and like, and then,
3: yeah. But then you've also got Downton Abbey, right? You've got, um, <laughs> so it has, it will have like, are you laughing at Downton
4: Abbey? No, I love Downton <laughs> Abbey. I do. No, I love it. You know what an anglophile I am. I love it. But I'm just like, okay, how can you give it production design? It's the same fucking thing from the
1: TV show. I was about to say, I don't know if people are going to be really that impressed by Downton Abbey production design because it's just like you go back. The, cast, the castle's there. The, oh, my think, God. As, uh, if more people like you um, help make more people aware of the fact that they did build that <laughs> entire alley that entire alley that gets flooded they built that on a set so that it could be flooded mm-hmm. although that's obvious to anybody who knows anything about movies that yeah, they built could, that uh, whole thing yeah, obviously they yeah but they, it looks so authentic and you didn't really yeah. realize until the fact that it floods that well of course that has to be a set because they couldn't flood a real there's no way to flood a real street and also that that they built that entire house the entire uh, Ultra modern house that the where the uh, wealthy family lives, right? And so the more right. people like you, your your artisan editors, make people aware of what went into making the film, I think that it, the, the, below the line um, will stand but more of a chance. And you've
3: got Tarantino's uh, Once Upon yeah. a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like yeah, I didn't even mention, of course. So yeah. it's going to be a crazy. I think it's going to be crazy. I don't know, like you know. Hmm. Joker, too, for production
2: yeah.
1: design maybe, or Motherless maybe. Brooklyn. Do we say Little Women?
2: And Little Women, we, maybe, yeah, uh, definitely, uh, and
1: maybe. maybe. I did, and, As you told us, Jazz, um, they built a Sistine Chapel for the two popes. They rebuilt, yeah. They did. The, yeah so, I mean, that's an, uh, there's a lot of production design nominees this year.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's it's going to be a weird year because we have a, actually a lot of movies. It's a it's an abundant Best Picture year, which I love these kind of years where it's there's more. And of course, as soon as the the awards start coming down at the end of this month, we basically got a month before the the announcements for uh, National Board of Review and New York Film Critics and L. A. Film Critics and Golden Globes start coming, and that's the end of November, early December. And that's when all the doors start to close. Like right now they're all open. What What Parasite needs to win Best Picture, it's going to need a screenplay nomination, a directing nomination, and put in hopefully at least one acting nomination. If it gets that, then it's it's a very strong frontrunner to win. Um,
1: it could win screenplay, now, I think. It could win Best Screenplay. I think it could win Best Director, too. It could win Best Director,
2: you know? Best director this year is really down to Scorsese versus Tarantino and, um, and, uh, Bong Joon-ho could beat both of them, but I would watch out for, I really think, I really feel like Joker as much as I'm not personally that much of a fan, but I think that it, it's going to get I really do think it's going to get picture and I think it might get director and screenplay and stuff like that. Like I think it might, I, I'm all, I'm, I swear, prepare yourself. I feel like it might get the top category nominations. I really do. I just feel it. It's, it's, I can sense it, but no, it,
4: it, it, it's in the zeitgeist for sure. It
2: feels like yeah. that right now. It really does. Like it feels really strong, um, in that way, but there is going to be backlash against it for sure. But I think that the type of people that vote on these awards, which are mainly straight white men, They're going to identify with this thing hardcore.
1: So identify with Joker. Oh, Joker. Okay, right. See, okay. It's a voice for me. I have not even seen Joker.
2: (laughs) I know, Jazz. I I know people who aren't straight white men love it too. I'm not (laughs) saying that that's only the people who love it. I'm just saying that
4: when it comes to
2: voting. No, go ahead, Clarence. Sorry.
4: If uh, No, I'm just going to say something smart-ass, so just forgive me. But if Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix wins an Oscar for playing the Joker, does that mean that Glenn Close's next role will be the Joker?
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's the only he thing that will stop go. him from winning is the fact that Heath Ledger already won. That's literally the only thing. And, and, and if there's a mass shooting. If there's a mass shooting, forget it. All bets are off. Nobody will want to touch it. But if there isn't one, and I actually – this is so psycho because – I actually know the stats of mass shootings because I look at (laughs) gunviolence.org because I I thought Mm -hmm. of at some point I was going to write a screenplay called American gun, which was taking a year, maybe six months out of a year, anything you could track, right? There's too many, there's Mm -hmm. 14,000 people killed by gun violence every year. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but I thought it would be fun to take, not fun, but interesting to make a movie or a documentary That just showed people what the shootings were in a given year and just doing one back to back, you know, guy shoots himself in the head, dies, toddler picks up a gun, shoots his friend dead mass Hmm. shooting, you know, 15 people killed dead. And then in between that, you could have the rhetoric that surrounds it, you know, the right and the left. Um, But I happen to know that the average for mass shooters is around 300 to 400 people die from mass shootings every year. And that's a small number compared to the 14,000 people who die from gun violence. So the majority is obviously inner city violence, um, accidental shootings, and a lot of them are suicides. But the mass Mm -hmm. shootings tend to hover around that same number of between 300 and 400. And for this year, we've already hit around 300. So I'm guessing that there's not going to be any more mass shootings this year. But you never know. Um, Hmm. So if there is a mass shooting, uh, God forbid, if someone shows up in a Joker mask and does it, you know, forget it. Like it's done. It's over for that movie. But otherwise I feel like people are okay with it. You know, like they're not horrified by it. In fact, they're into it. You know, they're identifying with it. They're, it struck a chord with people. It didn't strike a chord with me, but it has seemed to have it. Jessica Chastain, you know, um, I think that people respond to his, um, to his performance. I feel like he's, he's an amazing actor and he's somehow created this character that people really identify with and they feel sorry for him and they understand why he does what he does as opposed to what you're supposed to think walking out of that, which is yikes, fucking psycho, you know, but you don't think that you think I feel so bad for him. No wonder he shot all those people, you know? Um, so that's my speech
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> a way to kill a conversation, right? So <laughs> Bring Sasha to a party. That's fun. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> You'll
4: find her in the corner of the room. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so anyway, I don't even know if I'm going to cut that out it's like
1: <laughs> no it's good you know, it's the reason that i do didn't do that. have anything to say is because <laughs> i have not seen the movie and oh, i'm okay. really not even i'm not even interested in seeing the in seeing it it's just uh, well i think what
4: if this movie wins or if todd phillips were to win or get nominated ahead of scorsese or something crazy like that it'll just be the biggest shitstorm yeah. on the face of the earth right now because that movie stands on the shoulders of something like king of comedy I or know. taxi driver Early Scorsese so yeah. much that, that it that's what kept me from really liking it at all. Yeah. And I I'm sorry, Jazz, I know you've seen it three times and you're a huge fan, so forgive me for stepping. No, up.
3: I love it. I love it.
4: <laughs> you're just... entitled to your
2: opinion. I'm not gonna drag you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Jojo Rabbit is not the internet's favorite movie. I saw Tom yeah. O'Neill at the bomb at the bombshell screening and he came and sat next to me and he said, So I guess the internet doesn't like Jojo Rabbit, <laughs> but he really likes it, you know. Mm. Um, and and uh, everybody on this podcast that's seen it likes it. I think jo- Clarence has seen it twice.
3: I've seen it twice. An
2: Oscar voter loves it. I
3: spoke to an Oscar voter last week, and his first film was Jojo Rabbit. So that oh, was wow. really interesting.
1: His favorite, his number one film.
3: Yeah, he was wow. like I. I know people are very divided over it, but I love it. I thought it was great. And then somebody behind
2: shook their head
3: and walked off. So I was like, okay.
2: <gasps>
1: oh, wow.
2: What about Matt um, Middleburg? You said you, you made a point to say that it was very divided there. What did that mean exactly? So I,
3: I mean, obviously I love it and, and, one at Toronto and I sat I guess we were sitting in the middle for Jojo Rabbit which is an interesting place to sit because it's like you know you can see see the room's reaction um and it was really it was that whole thing of like is it okay to laugh at this and there was an introduction from Taika himself that said you know it, it is anti you know it's a satire like it's, I forget what he said but he introduced the film and set it all up. And, you know, right from the beginning, you're in hysterics, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And, but I feel that people paid attention to that message and they got it straight away. Also with the Beatles playing, Mm -hmm. you know, I want to hold your hand, that German version of it with that that Nazi Hitler opening kind of sets the tone, right? And yeah, half of them got it and the rest didn't. And then I think halfway through, they got into it, but it's like, there was that awkwardness. Um, Oh no. That's the divisiveness. Hmm. But my friend went to see it at the art client and she said, everybody was like on board with it. Um, Like we came out roughly at the same time and was like, how was your audience? She said, they loved it. Like
4: everyone got it. Wow. so go ahead. Uh, sorry. Uh, every year I did take a, p- a page from your book, Sasha, and I, I figure out what is the one movie that I'm going to set my entire family down in front of. Mm-hmm. And and, you know, one year it was Tree of Life. <laughs> and they still <laughs> talk about that. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, every, we actually have a running gag now where it's like, oh, is this a tree, you know, the tree of life gag? Anyway, anyway, <laughs> oh last God. year it was Green Book, and, and I knew Green Book was going to win Best Picture because my entire family, extended family and all, fucking loved that movie. Yeah. Like, they... they cried multiple times during that movie i mean it was just it 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 just the i this was and this was the third time i'd seen it um and the reaction to it was the same every single time tonight i took my family to see jojo rabbit
2: (gasps) you took the whole family i didn't know that wow i did
4: i forced them to get my son um i took my son to see it actually um to the film festival because they Carol inadvertently printed me duplicate tickets, so I mm. I had an extra pass. Um, so I took him, um, and he and I had this fantastic bonding moment because we have the same sense of humor, and it's <laughs> apparently Taika Waititi's sense of humor, and we laugh through the entire thing. But cool. and, and I'm not going to give any spoilers away because I know Ryan, you haven't seen it and it's not wide yet, but. Um, mm-hmm. My wife watched it and I, w- I was looking at her out of the corner of my eye because she's that, you know, middle of the road Academy taste there. And uh, <laughs> and I'm not putting her down by that, but she's, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like I said, it's, it's the green book factor here. Mm-hmm. Um, the film completely lost her in the first 15 minutes with the rabbit Oh, because she's a huge mm. animal lover. Um, oh. And then she got back into it. And then when the blue butterfly started to fly and I'm not, that's all I'm going to say about that sequence, okay, sure. um, completely took her out of it and she never got back into it. Oh no. Mm.
2: She didn't yeah. like it. That was.
4: I think she, she appreciated it by the end, but it was very painful for that blue butterfly sequence, which I think is, is quite beautiful if you beautiful. look at it from the perspective of the child. But, um, she never recovered from that? Like it's, it just, it, it, it damaged her because she doesn't like Scarlett Johansson at all. Um, but she really liked her in this role. She, and she loved the scene where she's trying to be the father and the mother at the same time and try to, to pull him out of the fanaticism and back into her embrace as a mother. And, um, she just, you know, it, it just, it, it was very clear that it didn't work for her.
2: Wow, So that's interesting. Jen, that's good intel. Jen. Jen's problem was
3: that she, like, I, I was like, you know, I love this film, blah, 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 and I set it up for her, and I, we watched it in Middleburg with Clayton Davis' wife, and she, Jessica said she loved it. It was her favorite film of the festival. Jen, on the other hand, was one of those, I found it too awkward to laugh, at the nazi jokes and i'm like but did you miss the whole intro and so that was her feedback on it she said i just found it too awkward to be laughing at that which i think sasha you have you know you've said you know that you know you laughed at it and you you've been laughing out loud at it and yeah, so I find absolutely. I think You that- too,
1: Sasha, you and Jazz have both said something really interesting that I think can help people if they want to try, if they think they might be reluctant to see it or that they have trouble um, accepting or wrapping their head around it. What you have always said several times, Jazz, I mean, Sasha, is that remember this from a child's point of view. Mm-hmm. You've got to keep yeah. that in mind, bear that in mind, it's from a child's point of view. And, and Jazz, wasn't it wasn't you who said that, it, try to look at it the way you would watch Monty Python.
3: Mm. Did you yeah. see say- Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it was like yeah. you look at it, I mean, you know, it's not entirely a comedy, you know, it's not a comedy, but it's his satire and they drum it in so many times. They keep telling you, or they keep telling him, it's like, Jojo, you're 10 years old, you're 10 years old.
1: Mm-hmm. And
3: it's like, just remember, this is from a kid's point of view. Like it's how he is viewing the world. So his fanaticism is coming. It's ridiculous because he's 10 years old and is obsessed with like being a Nazi, mm-hmm. you know, right. but it's well, I, like, if you miss that,
4: I'm wondering if ahead. this, if this isn't the year, um, if Jojo Rabbit, isn't the film that gets in for best picture, but take Watiti is not nominated for best director. Mm-hmm. Um, well that um,
2: happened last year shockingly green book won without that if i had overthought that one i might not have picked it because he didn't get a director nomination peter Fairley, and it's still won, mm-hmm. which is amazing that that's happened twice since the preferential ballot it hardly ever used to happen before but now that we have the preferential ballot and the directors being voted in two different ways it's so much easier to split the two. In fact, they they have been completely split so that they're thought of as two different awards. Although um, we should mention that Guillermo del Toro did win for Shape of Water and Shape of Water also won Best Picture. Um, Yeah, the thing is, is that I'm half Jewish, my dad's Jewish. And the thing is, is that when you're raised Jewish, uh, you know, you grow up with the shame of that, you know, you grow up with especially if you grow up in a, you know, kind of a racist area, as I did, where where you couldn't really admit that you were even half Jewish, you know, and to Mm. live with that fear of knowing that if you had been in Nazi Germany, you would have been taken to the camps, you know, And Mm. so many of my family members died in the Holocaust. But what I love about this this movie is that he takes, he's also part Jewish, uh, Taika Waititi. He takes these tropes that we all know about if you're Jewish, like dirty Jew, for instance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She says, I'm a dirty Jew, and she takes a bath. Like, that's so brilliant because that's one of the things you hear, you heard a lot was dirty Jew and all Mm. the stupid ways that they talked about Jews is so brilliantly handled in this, because it really does bring you right up to today. And the way that Trump talks about immigrants, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and the way that you create hate against certain groups in this absurd, ridiculous way. Um, I thought that he, he makes it quite clear. But my favorite thing about it is how he lampoons Hitler. Like, I just loved that he punctures the memory of, of this, this fascist monster that we're all afraid of. And he makes it so funny and he makes him so ridiculous. And he shows that even a 10 year old boy could defeat him. We can all certainly defeat him, you know? That's what I loved about it, was that this little kid who was bullied, who was disfigured from an injury, who had no confidence in himself, and who thought that Hitler would make him feel like a a more powerful, stronger man, and if he just follows these ideas, he comes to understand that that's not right, and he's able to just shut it out on his own You know, out of just pure love for this person that he meets, you know, and and I thought like that's such a good message. That's such a strong message that we can all defeat monsters, you know, just make fun of them. Mm. And he makes such fun of Hitler. (laughs) And I love that. Like I know so much about Hitler. I'm such a Holocaust fanatic. (laughs) I know everything about it. And so he gets it so right. Everything from like the throwaway jokes about um, Chamberlain, you know, and and how he slips into to Adolf Hitler's like, you know, when he starts to get angry and start speechifying and all that, like he just makes fun of all of it. And I think it's such a great way to sort of flush Hitler down the toilet is hmm. just to make fun of him, you know, and nobody I mean, sure. Okay, so it's been done before. It was done with the producers, and it was done with Dr. Strangelove.
1: And Um, Chaplin did it in the the moment, while actually Hitler was actually still in power. Yeah, absolutely. um,
2: And so that's brilliant. So I don't understand why in 2019 we're all of a sudden shocked, shocked that anybody's making fun of Hitler. Like, what's wrong with us? You know, Uh this has been done forever.
4: It's not woke enough
2: that's possibly it maybe it's just that we've gotten to a point where it is scandalous to even dare to to make fun of something like this that that could be that could be true that it's people like you know they they, they feel uncomfortable because we've been conditioned to respond to things in a certain way and the response to that is outrage it's never laughter it's never Mm -hmm. making fun of something you know Um, but I was just, for me watching the film the second time, which I got to see at the, I was invited to the premiere, which I loved was that, um, by the way, I took a picture with the kid I thought was the kid, but it turns out it's his brother. <laughs>
4: so
2: I, was, I have a selfie with the brother. I'm gonna take a picture? The twin. Like, yeah, the but twin. The,
4: the brother's in the movie, right? He's one of the, cl- he's the clones.
2: Oh, he is? Okay. I you think so. That. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe that's why he's like, okay, sure, take a picture. <laughs> but, um, but I, Scary I love... Scary woman. Yeah, I love... Stranger. <laughs> exactly. Stranger. No, it's true. But he, yes, I, I... That one part in the movie, I understand that. Like, I feel like there's a lot of people where that's going to be a dropout moment for them. And they're just never going to be able to forgive this movie for doing what it does, um, the decision that it makes. But, it, but he has to do it, right? Because yeah. you have to show how ugly this war was. It can't just be all funny. It has to be traumatic because that's what that war was, right? And I have to say that, like, I've never felt so proud to be an American as when you see that flag that american flag riding through the town you know like and that i think is a feeling that we just don't we don't get anymore under trump we just don't feel that sort of patriotism for something that we fought for it was the right side um i love that and i i i really love the film's message of dancing as a sign of freedom and how it ends which i won't spoil it for ryan because the ending is so beautiful but um But I loved that, uh, the way that he chooses to end it and and what he uses to end it with. Um, Mm -hmm. And the message he's telling us all, which is, you know, we can be free. We can be free of this monstrosity as long as it doesn't have power over us. And the way it doesn't have power over us is that that we laugh at it, that we see the buffoonery and the ridiculousness of it, you know.
3: It also has the use of the f-bomb i think oh yeah in this whole year like yeah. I don't think there's been any other movie that uses absolutely yeah.
2: and but but it's true the problem with it is that um clarence as you're saying it's not a movie that you can sit anybody down in front of obviously because it didn't hit everybody the same way you know
1: yeah sounds but like it. a really i mean it sounds uh, i uh, more like a screenplay movie than a director's movie. Maybe I mean, as, you know, I'm t- t- talking blindly here. I haven't seen it. I'm sure it's really stylish, but the screenplay it sounds like it's just really special. But mm-hmm. that's tough for this year because of what it's going to be up against. Yeah, it's going to be up against Parasite and No Once No I Time in Hollywood and the Two Popes. And it's
3: adapted. It's yeah, adapted. I think it's. it's... Oh,
1: okay. All right. All right. It's going so... up
4: against Irishman and Two Popes.
1: Yeah. Which is tough,
4: which is really tough. Yeah. Do we want to talk about? Well, before we leave Jojo Rabbit, um, because I do I do think we should talk about Two Popes um, Mm -hmm. because of the interesting email we got today. Sasha, I don't know if you want to talk about that on the podcast, but I have no idea how to react to that. But um, (laughs) the best thing that came out of Jojo Rabbit for me was every time my son and I reach a situation where we're trying to figure out what to do, we both of us look at each other and say. We'll burn down the we'll burn down the house and play Winston Churchill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Which it, the,
2: That's so great. And I
4: just I want two things out of this Oscar year, and I'm not going to get either one of them. I know, and one of them is to get Taika Waititi in for supporting actor because he is oh. fantastic as as this child's image of Hitler. He's just mm. I loved him in this both times, and I also love Tracy Letts in uh, oh, Ford God. versus Ferrari.
2: I know, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, come on, Tracy Letts is so funny in that. And I actually think that Ford free Ferrari is going to do a lot better than I think people are expecting it to do. I think it's going to, I think it's going to be really strong because I do feel like that's another one you can sit anybody down in front of, you know, it doesn't have all the buzz and the passion, but it, but it's, it's a, it's a solid movie with really good actors and very entertaining.
4: It's going to open well too. It's going to open to about 30, I think, which is big for that, for a movie about racing.
2: Yeah, for sure. No, it's, I think it's going to be huge because it's going to draw a lot of people that wouldn't ordin- ordinarily go to the movies. Um, but 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 I bet you that if you sat your whole family down in front of that, they'd like it, too. Don't you think?
4: I like, do. I absolutely do. They they might. Uh, yeah, I think so. I have, to, I have to figure I won't be the Irishman, I can tell you that.
2: <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I mean, it's it's a lot of the movies this year are good, but they're divisive.
4: Ford v Ferrari is going to open somewhere between 25 and 30 million. Um, mm-hmm. just, you know, it's, and that's, that's huge for, I mean, yes, it's Matt Damon, but it's, it's a racing movie. It's, and it's a story that not many people know. Um, although I, I went down a rabbit hole on Ford v Ferrari right after I saw it. And I did not realize that there is a subculture of people who think that the character that, uh, Christian Bale plays is still alive. Oh no. Yeah. That there's a guy in Wisconsin or Michigan or somewhere um that everybody's like, Oh yeah, he was a he was a British racer. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, What? Mm. And then this is not like from like National Enquirer. This is from like Car and Driver or some, you know, legitimate publication in the automotive world.
2: Oh my god. No, yeah, he that can't. was star that is one of the bummers of the movie that like i feel like people should like i i went in not knowing i saw it in telluride and i went in not knowing the two things about it which is that it's a true story it's really well known so i'm not giving away a spoiler but basically the mm. two things that that happened that people should know about is one he dies at the end <laughs> and two um he doesn't win the race he doesn't win the Le Mans, and that's due to a technicality but Um, but I, but it, but these are the two things about it that make it, make it, if you, if you're expecting something different, you might come in and go, that's a bummer. But once Mm -hmm. I learned that and I knew that going in, I enjoyed it a lot more. So for people Mm -hmm. who don't know that, I think that they're going to feel like it has a bummer ending and jazz. I think that accounts for that sag screening you saw, because I think that people might have expected that he wouldn't have died, you know?
1: Uh, Uh, Yeah, it's better not. You know, you don't have your expectations dashed, you don't know, in advance. And for a historical event that, that I I only just found out a, a minute ago, but I mean, it's good to know. It's but, good I mean, to know. I didn't realize. I yeah. promise you it's, it's better yeah. to know that. And it's, going and, it's, yeah. and it's not a spoiler for people to know. It's good to, that everyone knows.
2: It, it really will enhance your viewing of the film if you know yeah. already going in, because if you're if you're going to start getting invested in that character
1: mm-hmm.
2: and then you see him die, like that's going to be a drag. But I think that knowing that it's a true story and knowing that you're watching, do you think I should cut that out about him?
1: No, I don't think so. I think it's good that everyone knows. I think it's good that everyone knows in the same way that it's good that everyone ought to know about Sharon Tate. But a lot of people... Weirdly, did not know about the Vanson murders, right? And so they didn't it's really understand story. what was going on in the movie. Can you believe that? But I mean, it's same sort of not. thing. It's like, it, it, and not only does it is it important to know t- so you understand what's going on, but it adds so much more poignancy to the movie mm. to watch a character that you know is not going to have a happy ending for himself. Absolutely, you can't
3: get upset over spoiling a true story. Right? Like it's just.
2: You can. I mean, <laughs> if you're gonna look know. it up, and and I, oh. I actually wish I had known more about the story going in, you know, um, because I, I was bummed out, but I still loved it. Uh, you just
3: spoiled like Jojo Rabbit too. The Americans won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wait. <laughs>
1: Oh my gosh, Clarence. Yes, all I did was just type into Google Ken Miles conspiracy and the very first thing that pops up is from Car and Driver. Ken Miles alive and well in Wisconsin. And this is from 2003. This is from the year 2003. People, this conspiracy has been going around. That article is in Car and Driver. (laughs) I I wish he
2: was still alive. (laughs) I I wish the movie hadn't ended that way. That would be, you know, a really great thing. It is a bummer, but... um... It's a huge bummer. Yeah. but, but it's still a really entertaining movie. It's one of the most entertaining films. Don't you think Clarence uh, of this year?
4: I do. Yes, I do think it, it's incredibly entertaining. And those, ra- those uh, driving sequences, I mean, you said uh, you think it's going to overperform. I mean, the, the, the technical categories, it's going to be there everywhere. It's going to be yeah. editing. It's going to be sound For mixing, sure. you know, mm-hmm. it's those, yeah. those sequences are fantastic, particularly those night sequences where they're driving oh in the rain. God. I mean. It, there has to be some vfx work in there too i mean yeah. they didn't
3: green screen anything that was all done with like wow. them mounting onto the ca- onto the car the cameras and just driving around and like nothing was green
4: screen um, see this is why they need a stunt Oscar. yeah for sure
2: no it was yeah. really um, yeah. That part of it is so thrilling to watch the racing stuff. Like I will watch it again and again and again just to see those car racing scenes, and they're incredible yeah. to watch. I think, and the best scenes in the movie are just Christian Bale alone in a car.
3: Yeah, um, but of course, and Matt Tracy, Damon is great. That that Tracy Let scene was a one take scene.
2: It's oh brilliant. God. He's so good that in that. Amazing. <laughs> that wins the audience every single time. Like, everybody <laughs> loves that scene because <laughs> it's so funny. I think he's got a good shot. I mean, I, I have a feeling I could be wrong because I don't know. What do I know? But um, I was looking back at my predictions around this time last year, and they were so wrong. Like, they were, um, it was like maybe 60 to 70% accurate for what was going to happen. But there was so much that you could just couldn't tell. You just had no idea,
4: you know. Well, on the tracker you still have Matt Damon in supporting actor. I thought I know, he was going to I, lead.
2: I gotta change that. I actually changed it. I just didn't upload it to the new I'm oh, gonna okay. do that right now as I'm talking to you. But no, he is. He's neither of them are gonna get nominated on although if they do, then that shows you that voters really liked the movie a lot more than people think people would think that they do. I mean, we tend to get caught up in a bubble you know, a a predicting bubble, and we all sort of mirror each other and and reflect off what each other thinks instead of what other people are going to think. You know, and last year that was was the case with um, Bohemian Rhapsody and Green Book. I think people underestimated both of them because of that, because of the bubble. Um, And this year, I don't know. I mean, is it going to be this movie, Ford v. Ferrari, or is everybody going to be right that it's the movies that people really, you know, people in the bubble really like i don't know i mean i'm just trying to keep my mind as open as i possibly can on it
1: you know we've all said who who among us who among us would, would have thought that uh um bohemian rhapsody would have done what it did last year mm, at this point no last way. year
2: the only person i know is my friend michael who said after he saw it yeah. that he said he's gonna win
1: right and there is a there's a there's a girl on our, on the site too sammy who was championing 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 the movie for months before anybody else was paying any attention and mocked her really, but she stood firm and she was right. She was right about everything she said about it, about how much it was going how it was going to how much it was how much of a hit it was going to be and how many Oscars it would be nominated for and win. So yay, Sammy! Well, that Tom O'Neill said it too. Uh, Green Ooh,
3: Book. Yeah. He was like, Tom O'Neill. He yeah. was like, okay. It's bohemian rhapsody's got everything that oscar voters love yeah and then if you went out and spoke to them it was i think i've said it so many times it was like green but bohemian rhapsody a star is born yeah. and that's outside of the bubble so
2: right and tom is right and i think that's why he's going to be turn out to be right about jojo rabbit i think he has good instincts and i feel like Yes, it's divisive, but I also think that I mean it's going to do fine for nominations. When you get to winning, mm-hmm. that's a whole different scene. That's a phase two thing, and that's how the publicists play it, and how the zeitgeist works out, and how the buzz works out. Like, I think the backlash against um, Green Book actually helped it win, because I think that it was such a it was such a good-hearted movie that people couldn't stomach the way it was being attacked, and I think that made people defensive of it.
1: And, uh, mm-hmm. and not only the movie was attacked and the and and the and the screenwriter for one tweet that he one really stupid tweet that he did many years ago but also they were attacking people who liked the movie
4: yeah. which was
1: a weird and bizarre were, thing to do because if you're you're not going to talk people out of not liking what they like and you're all going to make them want to support that movie more by telling them that they're a racist for liking a movie, right? Especially
2: if the movie is yeah. so good-hearted as it was, like, yeah. You know, and right. the, that's the problem. Is if it wasn't as good-hearted of a movie, I mean, you can't watch Green Book and not be taken in by it. You just can't. Mm. I mean, you can be, you can sit there and you can judge it, and you can say it doesn't accurately reflect this. It doesn't accurately really reflect that. It doesn't. But what it does accurately reflect is a friendship between two people that that really does come through very, very strongly in the film. And anybody who watches it knew that. And so anytime Mm -hmm. you tried to convince them that, you know, you're going to conflate stuff like Peter Farrelly showed his dick on the set and then conflate (laughs) that with something else and then draw some sort of conclusion about how these are bad people who don't. Well, if you're going to do that, you better have a better, a better option than uh, uh, Roma. You know, if you want to knock out Green Book, you're not going to get people to vote for Roma. You got to have another plan
4: i do think jojo rabbit is the green book of this year in more than in in more ways than just the internet's reaction to it but if you look at the stories i mean it's 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 a character whose mind is changed through his interactions with someone that is you know opposed to him you know socially at the beginning you know like so jojo grows through his exposure to the jewish girl just like um yeah, Vigo grew through his exposure to Mirhashala Ali. Mm-hmm. So you know, they similar themes, very in much, a very so. high level.
2: Yeah, and mm. it's it's you know I didn't know the Green Book wasn't as divisive. I don't think, but it was. Here's the thing: you wanted to talk about the two popes. Who was it that told me? Was it you, Jazz? Somebody said very emphatically, you should pay attention more to the two popes. That it's.
3: <laughs> um, I think it was Pete Hammond.
2: That it's winning all these awards, right? That it's winning all these film Mm. festival awards. Well, I just got an email. Is this what you're talking about, Clarence? This Frank email from Frank? Yeah.
4: And I I had wondered about this when I saw the movie, but I'll let you go ahead. No, no, you
2: please go ahead because it's it's kind of gobbledygook. Okay, so what I would think is that I didn't think it was divisive until I got this email from Frank. And now, Clarence, you explain what that's about.
4: So when you watch the two popes, it's, it's basically, well, first of all, just as a side note, I had a very funny experience watching this at the film festival here in in, uh, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I did not know anything about this film. I completely went in blank and about this is the nine one
2: nine film festival, by the way that Clarence covered that is one of the up and coming new film festivals. Okay.
4: Yes, absolutely. Thank you for film Fest nine one nine. Thank you for correcting me on that. Um, and uh, I did not know anything about the two popes. And I started watching it about 15 minutes into it. I said, Anthony Hopkins looks a lot like that old pope that looked like the emperor <laughs> from Star Wars. <laughs> and then I realized, I, you know, I'm not Catholic and, I, you know, I don't follow the popes. But then I realized they were, you know, very quickly they were talking. Oh, it's Benedict the Sixteenth or whatever. And that was mm-hmm. the whole movie is dedicated to what happened a couple of years ago when the pope quit. But the movie never talks about his Nazi background. It never talks right. about his ties to Nazi Germany. It never talks about the more delicate subject matter. I mean, they do touch on um, abuse, sex abuse mm-hmm. in the in the church, uh, but it's it's very kind to Benedict the sixteenth.
0: Yeah.
4: Um. And so this, there, we got an email today. Um, Sasha forwarded me, or included me on an email from this this writer, who is very passionate. Uh. And. I'm not going to say it's a smear campaign, but it, 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 it could easily become one because the two popes doesn't include this subject matter. And mm-hmm. I didn't get a chance to talk to the screenwriter, Anthony McCardin, Jazz, I know you did uh, at mm-hmm. uh, Middleburg. That was going to be one of my questions is w- why leave out that piece of uh, Benedict's car- uh, background?
1: would it have come up in a conversation between the two popes though would would the other pope have brought that up like hey by the way or you know because isn't that the, the, the what the movie's predicated it's on a it's, a, it's like a it's a it's, a, yeah. it's an imagined conversation and so it, how i'm not not having seen it i'm not sure how they would have worked that in
2: is it an imagined would, or did it really happen it's,
3: it's an imagined um, conversation he, yeah, right. he obviously so that's what McCartan does right everything Every movie he's done is an imagined, well, not every movie, but like Darkest Hour, Bohemian Rhapsody, two popes are imagined conversations based on real events. So mm. he's seen a photo of Pope Francis and Benedict watching TV. He's not sure if it was football or if they were just watching the news or they were probably watching some prayer uh, channel <laughs> thing. Um and I'm sorry if I have offended any Catholic. I am Catholic, so. Um,
2: but Jazz you went know, to Catholic and, school, y'all.
1: Did she? Hmm. Jazz? I, I didn't know that. I went, I went to
2: Church of England because I couldn't
1: get into oh. Catholic. Oh, okay. But, Church um,
3: of England. Close <laughs> enough. My <laughs> godmother's a nun. Like I don't know. My mom. I, I spoke, I spoke I to a come. nun. <laughs> um. But yeah. So. It, it's it's he based that on a photograph, and so yeah, I think you're right, Ryan. Like, would they have talked about it? They kind of allude to things in that com in the convers in the movie, though. Like, Francis uh, doesn't agree with a lot of stuff that Benedict has been.
1: Is, oh, I see. Right. Yeah. So they they do have they, it's a it's a Socratic sort of dialogue. It's a debate about but it's about yeah. more about their, uh, their yeah. theology. And also uh, one really interesting point that you brought out in your interview with the screenwriter is that this is not about this is not good pope, bad pope. It's about two popes who are um, coming to terms with their own with their own faith and with and with with each other's faith and you and you don't put one of them at a disadvantage you've got to you've got to uh understand both of them in order for there to be a fair debate right otherwise it would be boring the the screenwriter says that it would be boring if there's a one bad pope and then the other one that has all the right ideas they've got to both be on equal um uh level with each other I think so, the thing that
2: that that this letter was getting at, and it's the second actual person who's who's written me about the two popes. It's a, mm-hmm. I've had two people now write this to me, which is that they feel very passionately and very angry at the church, and they feel like this movie tries to lighten up some of the very unforgivable things that they've done, that the church has done. And I feel like that... I think the problem is, is that it could come out if the movie mm. ever becomes a threat. People could start targeting it pretty harshly if they wanted to. Um, it's pretty easy to attack the Catholic Church. <laughs> but um, but the the only good thing about the movie is that, you know, yes, it's true that they don't really nail um, Ratzinger appropriately at all. They They forgive mm. him. In fact, that's the whole point. But 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 francis shines through you know pope francis and and if the people feel that that he's somebody who's doesn't isn't worthy of the praise of the film then that that would be i think a real problem but so i don't know i don't know
4: well it goes I mean, to such oh, sorry go ahead sorry, go ahead well i was just going to say that it goes to such great lengths to explore the background and persona of francis and the um you know, his issues in the Argentinian political unrest and how he has guilt yeah. over certain things. And, mm-hmm. and then it cuts back to Anthony Hopkins Raskinger and he's just nodding his head. mm-hmm, Yep. Yeah. As if there's <laughs> nothing going on there. Right. <laughs> like, uh. So and and I'm, as if am a fan of the movie, so don't, don't take it that I'm, I'm putting the movie down. I, I understand what Anthony McCartney is saying about wanting it to be balanced. I don't necessarily know that it, it, Is fully balanced and I'm I argue maybe it wasn't intended to be balanced. I think it was It wanted to explore the more popular Pope a little bit more than it did Ratzinger.
1: Okay. Yeah Hmm. Because
2: I think that you can I think if you start introducing stuff that is potentially unforgivable That you can't then forgive the character and I think that the Mm. whole point of the movie is that they that he forget he he offers him absolution well that's obviously a lot of people's problem with catholicism in general and and what woody allen would say die now pay later (laughs) it's like Mm -hmm. the thing is is that you know they do these terrible things and then all they have to do is confess it to a priest and all is absolved and they're forgiven you know that is the fundamental problem with with the religion i think um but, uh, but I think to atone for those sins, maybe those sins really have to be brought out, you know, to, to really fully atone. And if you don't, and people know Ratzinger and they think of him as a Nazi, it's surely going to come out in the press, you know?
4: Mm-hmm. hmm. I don't think that this, and we, we should get back to what Jas was going to mention, but I don't think that this should be a big story, but I, I do think that if, you know, a, a, and a, a Ambitious publicist picks up on this and starts, you know, an old nasty whisper campaign. This is something that absolutely could take flight
2: Yeah, if it has a um, if it is a threat, nobody's gonna bother with it if it isn't Um, But what would it be a threat for it could be a threat for best actor because it's Jonathan price, but uh, can he be Joaquin Phoenix? Um, And it's a threat for maybe screenplay um, Price has never been nominated though, ever. Right. right. So what's that about?
4: He's never been in a film that I think merited the nomination. I mean, I, he's, his career has been bigger on the stage than it has been in screen.
2: Um, yeah, exactly. So when I came out of right, I thought Jonathan Price was the front runner. I thought he could win. You know, and um, mm-hmm. and I think if, if it could go, the only problem is, is that it's, uh, you know, as people keep pointing out, it's Netflix movie. Right. So Netflix has what? Four films. So how are they going to divide their attention? Where are they going to put that? Is it going to be Adam Driver? Is it going to be Robert De Niro? Is it going to be Jonathan Price? Is it going to be Eddie Murphy? Like who's going to get the strong push um, for best actor? Right. So that's the other reason to to think about it. Like, I don't know that it's going to be. That. But if it does catch hold and it catches buzz and he starts winning stuff, then it will. Then it will definitely. Those stories will start coming out and people will target it. Oh, I hear a kitty cat.
1: Oh yeah, yeah I know. Is he's, that Taji? The yes, Taji.
4: Aww.
0: Hey, buddy.
2: Taji wants a midnight snack. <laughs> yeah, <I think. laughs> Such a nice purr he has.
4: The uh, so, Jazz, you were going to say something?
3: No, I was just going to say I think. You know, from the title, and this is something that came up at Middleburg, was that um, the morning that Clay and Nathaniel and I did our um, "Coffin Contenders" panel, people were like, they they were like, so what do you recommend we should see? And both Clay and I were like, go and watch the two popes, and they were like, it's religious, and we're like, no, that's the, I think that's going to be the biggest like misconception about the film is that it's a religious movie, and it really isn't I think it's more about the debate and the meeting of two minds that are conflicted at the beginning and then they kind of meet and bond over football and pizza and learning to that's how that's what I took away from it anyway Mm -hmm. and I think I love that pizza thing yeah I did too and he really Benedict really drinks Fanta every single night like it's the that's a fact see that's the thing that's what McCartan did like he did research he found that out and that's what he does and i think france is actually watches football
2: oh god so, it's it's a it's a it's a wonderful movie that talk about a movie you can sit anybody down in front of that's yeah. that's your movie right there but not if they turn it into a thing, you know, not if it gets turned into a thing, which I'll be curious to see if it does. Now I've had two people separately who aren't publicists or anything write me complaining about the two popes. So um, I just the only thing I can say about that to put this subject to rest is that um, and we're almost heading at three hours here. Sorry, you guys. <laughs> but um, but that uh, for love for a movie can override just about anything except for love for religion, <laughs> or mm-hmm. hatred of religion. So I mean, I think that that could 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 present an issue. But on the other hand, it just might make it more popular. You know, the more people talk about it, it might, it might bring it up to the forefront. I've, I have a feeling it has a good chance of getting in um, for best picture. But I mean, we'll just have to see how it goes. There's so much to talk about. But I think we've worn out our time. And uh, it's late. So what do you think?
1: Really late on the East Coast. I mean, it's yeah. only, I'm not, I'm not tired. I mean, it's not late here. And, and, but uh, <laughs> It's <laughs> yeah. time You're, to put the yeah.
2: podcast and say goodbye to our dear friend Jazz, unfortunately.
3: Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I, I am so thankful for everything. I can't even express it. And I love you guys, every one of you guys dearly. And
0: and
1: we'll we know tweet where to find you. We know where to find you. Yeah, we to... know where to find you on Twitter. We know where to find you online. And and I was feeling blue that that, that, that this is going to be our last conversation for a while because I forget how things work in the real world and that we can call each other even if it's not a podcast. Let's do we can it. We still talk to let's each other, a, right? Let's,
2: yeah. Let's have a so, date. Let's, let's have a phone yeah. date. Sasha um, and I need a dinner date too. We We're going to have that date. Let's do it. Um and. And uh, we might as well say now that our new, our new podcasting is going to be the three of us for now. I mean, I think we'll keep it at three and see how it goes. So that's Clarence and Ryan and myself. And we'll continue our podcast next week. We'll try to stick to a strict schedule if we can. Good. Um, and, uh, and we'll be checking in with Jazz and giving you all updates and, uh, and giving her our best cheer and good luck for the future. For you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love you guys.
3: This is not the end. We will be calling, emailing.
2: <laughs> oh, it's so sad. All right. Well, thank you guys. It's been a pleasure.
4: And thank you for having me on the podcast. I, I should great. thank you. That's yeah. So welcome
1: aboard.
2: Yeah. Welcome aboard. Welcome thank to you. our yes. wild, wacky podcast. So, all right. Yeah. All right. Good night, everybody.
1: Good night. Bye. Good night,
2: everybody. <laughs> Bye Jazz. Bye, Bye, Jazz.
3: Oh my God, I love you guys. I love, oh, love you too.
2: We'll do phone calls and we'll do podcasts. Okay. Well, not Definitely, podcasts. Let's whatever.
1: We'll, gossip, we'll
2: gossip, and catch up, and talk about our predictions and stuff like that. Screenings
4: <laughs> and our, you know. Okay. All right.
2: Talk to you. Later. I've still been.
3: It's not the end. <laughs> Sunday right.
2: midnight. Okay. Good night, everybody have a good night bye 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 bye. have a great weekend bye do you ever lie awake at
0: night just between the dark and the morning light searching for the things you used to know looking for the place where the lost things go do you ever dream or reminisce wondering where to find what you truly miss well maybe all those things that you love so are waiting in the place where the lost things go memories you've shared gone for good you feared they're all around you still Though they've disappeared Nothing's really left Or lost without a trace Nothing's gone forever Only out of place So maybe now the dish And my best spoon Are playing hide and seek Just behind the moon Waiting there until it's time to show Spring is like that now, far beneath the snow Hiding in the place where the lost things go